you guys to the Pretty Petty Podcast. I'm your girl, Mercedes. And I'm Mira. What's up? Hey, welcome back, you guys, to our second episode. Hear the applause. Clap, clap, clap. <laughs> Before we get into it, let's do a check-in. How you doing, Mira? I'm tired. Um, I've been struggling to get sleep for some reason this week. I've been yeah. sleeping in pieces instead of just sleeping fully and it's stressing me out. So is it like because you have so much stuff to do, you be just sleeping whenever you can, taking little naps, or is it like you fall asleep and then you wake up and you're unable to go back to sleep? It's me waking up unable to go back to sleep, but also me struggling to fall asleep because of the amount of things I have to do and want to do. You ever just get kept up with your to-do list? That's me every day. Mm. I get kept up at night with my to-do list, and it's very stressful. Yeah, same I keep doing this thing where, like, I go to sleep at, like, 1 or 2 a.m., and then I wake up 90 minutes later, and then... 90 I'll, minutes? Yeah, and then I'll stay up for the next six hours until the sun comes up, and then when the sun comes up, then I'll go to sleep for two hours, and I'll wake back up at 9.30. It's that every single like day stress. this week. I feel like there's a pair... I feel like an alien... Have you... You've you seen Men in Black, right? Like how they yeah. have them aliens, and then but they look human on the outside, and then you rip off their head, and then you see what they are inside. They're like a big-ass earthworm. That's what I feel like. I feel like I have a oh big-ass earthworm inside of my body. But I'm here. Um, Going through changes. Same, though. <laughs> Same. Oh, I get it. Like, I even was like, uh, I'm taking a break from streaming right now. I don't know for how long, maybe like a week. Shit, maybe two. I don't know, but. Um, you need the time to recharge. Yeah, I'm I'm completely burned out. Com- I've never been this burned about, out. Uh, how much energy streaming takes out of us? Like people don't know the people, you know what I'm saying? The folks that like just do strictly videos and just everybody else, they don't know how <laughs> how physically taxing that is to yeah. um go live every day, especially if you're somebody that goes live every day, three, four, five times a week. You're getting on camera and you're playing high energy. It takes a lot out of you to have to go live every day like that or a couple days out of the week it's it's i'm just i'm i'm exhausted but i'm here i'm excited to see you i mean i got a bonnet on y'all i'm excited to see you too and why you putting my bit why you telling the people my damn business because yeah, i want I them to know how cute you look i no, i got this flat ass hattie may bonnet i i got the long hair bonnet and no Listen, damn hair yo. you look so cute right now i'm gonna help i'm gonna help sweat your hair out make you really need a Wait, bonnet. what? Hello? I'm sorry. I haven't flirted in so long. I just wanted to try it out. Um, But anyway, I want to start off the episode with a, a quick um, howdy-do. Tip my hat off to a very wonderful, amazing, talented woman by the name of Angela Bassett. Congratulations Bissette. to her for her getting her first Oscar. Is that not wild? That Angela Bassett, I can't, I can't keep doing it. Angela Bassett has never I gotten an Oscar it. before. Like that doesn't make sense to me. That makes no sense. And they ended up giving her an honorary Oscar. She didn't even win the Oscar for a role. So I'm not even entirely sure the difference between an honorary Oscar and why that exists versus like. Apparently. It doesn't count to, what's it called, EGOT status, where it's like Emmy, Tony, Grammy, like something like that. It doesn't count towards that. I think yeah. that's the difference, but that's all That's all I know, really. I, I don't know much about um 
that, but that's Did all I kept seeing people say. Oscars? No, I didn't. I didn't watch it. I don't watch. The, yeah, I haven't yeah. watched. I've never. I haven't watched the Oscars in years. Was that the? Uh, is that the show that Will Smith? Um, did what he did when he needs to do it. We slap old boy. I yeah, think that yeah. was that's the most that was I probably last watched. Time. <laughs> most I probably watched the Oscars in the last fifteen years. I tell you, I don't because and and for that reason right there, not nothing to do with what Will Smith did, but just why is she getting an honorary Oscar? Like things like that. Like some of our best actors and actresses getting honoraries or just not getting anything at all and it's just like well what am I tuning into this year at year after year they complain about the lack of diversity you know how they only think about or how only uh white actors and actresses are considered for awards so I don't watch it and I haven't watched yeah. it in years and literally the most I've ever watched it was when Will Smith did what he did and then I went back to just acting like you know I don't I don't pay the Oscars no more congratulations Miss Bassett Bassett Regardless, I'm happy for her. Um, I heard her speech was amazing. I just haven't caught it yet. Um, Because I was too busy watching all two hours and 45 African-American minutes of the Cat Williams interview with Shannon Sharp. Um, (laughs) Did you watch it? I didn't. I saw clips. Okay. I didn't sit there and watch the whole thing. Um, So for those of y'all who were born this week, or who don't keep up with Negro news, Cat uh, Williams sat down with Shannon Sharp. It went viral very quickly. Um, last time, I, like, it got 42 million views in one week on YouTube, and it's two hours and 45 minutes, so somebody got a lot of money from that video. I actually, I recommend, like, if you haven't watched it, I put it on, and I started cleaning my house, and he kept me company, and it was very entertaining, like, that interview kept me more entertained than any movie I've seen this year. And it's not even close. It was very good. Uh, So some of the things that he was talking about was the fact that um, Friday after next, you know, where he plays money Mike and uh, he plays, I guess a pimp who just, Mm -hmm. who uh, runs a clothing store. And then you have um, not Debo. What's this dude's name? Who's married to the white woman who's not really a white woman? What? Married to a white woman that's oh not my God, white? the one who's always making his man boobies twitch. The, biracial song. Um, the guy who played the guy who Terry got out of prison. Cruz? Yes. Okay. Terry Crews. As soon as you said about a titty jiggle, <laughs> I just see Terry Crews titties jiggling all over the place. <laughs> so um slight trigger warning for the language I'm about to use, but uh Cat Williams claims responsibility for uh removing a rape scene that was supposed mm. to happen Friday after next. Cause you know, the whole thing was, um, Cat Williams trying to preserve, I guess the sanctity of his asshole from Terry Crews. And honestly, that was a theme throughout the entire interview. If you ever watch it, I want to say this man did not go more than 20 minutes at a time without reinforcing the fact that he was heterosexual mm-hmm. and his biggest fear in life is to suck a man's dick. I'm not even lying. Like, he kept reiterating how he don't want to wear no dress and how his only goal in Hollywood was to never take it up the ass and never have to suck a dude's dick. I'm not making this up. He kept reiterating it in some way or form. So I don't know what that's about. 
Um, but that's one of the things he said. He said he took credit for taking that out. He also said that Ricky Smiley wanted his role in that movie because, you know, Ricky Smiley played the the ghetto Santa in that movie. Mm-hmm. And he said that Ricky Smiley on set was really rude to him. He kept trying to make it seem like the role was his and that Cat Williams was... He didn't really make it seem like Cat Williams was like a replacement. Mm-hmm. More like Cat Williams had like stole the role from him and like it was it was meant to be him. Like Cat Williams didn't does not like Ricky Smiley. He made oh, that okay. abundantly. So he was clear. on some hate and shit. Okay. Um, um he also said that Cedric the Entertainer stole his joke. Um, if you've seen, I think he was talking especially about the Kings of Comedy movie. Um where it was him, D.L. Hughley, Steve Harvey, and Bernie Mac. I saw that with my grandmama. I will never forget that movie. Just laying out <laughs> on the... Ooh, that, that was so funny. Um, that's saying a special, I should say. Anyway, he claims that that joke... Uh, the only funny joke that I think Cedric the Entertainer had in that movie was with him being in outer space on a spaceship and um, like the music blasting and whatever else. Uh, Cat Williams claims that he did it on Common View and Cedric the Entertainer stole that joke. He also claimed that Steve Harvey stole a joke from him. And um, Jesus. Yeah, he also said that he had been asked to be the fourth king of comedy, um, I guess, after Bernie had passed. But he said he declined it because he didn't like the way that Steve Harvey treated Bernie Mac. You know what happened there, right? Do you know what happened there? And he tried to take the role um, from, oh, was it Oceans 11, Oceans 12? One of them damn Oceans. He yeah. tried to, like, backdoor him and, like, try to take the role from him or something like that. That's yeah. foul. Yeah, that's that disgusting. Was that's foul. And then he also claimed that Steve Harvey was stealing his story, his backstory. So Cat Williams, for a period of time, he left home when he was 12 years old and he hitchhiked to Miami, Florida, where he was homeless for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And um, he said that Steve Harvey stole that story and that Steve Harvey was never homeless and that he just used that as a way to, I guess, make himself seem more relatable. Wow. Science. There is there was so much in there. He he did not pull no punches. He was talking about Didn't he say Steve Harvey stole the whole concept of his show from um what's his name? Mark Curry. What's this hanging with Mr. Cooper? Is that his name? I'm um, just like he he didn't say nothing bad about Mark Curry. All he said was that yeah. Mark Curry had helped him out with writing mm-hmm. a joke and making it funnier. But that's all he yeah, mentioned about Mark Curry. Yeah, but it was it was said that Steve Harvey stole um that from him and like he just I think for that whole time from what I was told he was just letting the chopper sing for that whole ass interview like just walling. He also said like Kevin Hart was like an industry plant and how how does Kevin Ooh. Hart go from being on the East Coast all of a sudden moving over to the West Coast and getting all these opportunities. He said, in 15 years of Hollywood, no one in Hollywood has a memory of going to a sold-out Kevin Hart show. Damn. I don't think Kevin Hart is funny. I, so here's the thing, right? I used to love Kevin Hart. I used to think Kevin Hart was super funny back when I was in, like, high school and college. But I noticed, like, after a while, it was some point in during that time where, like, one of those specials he had came out, and it just wasn't funny and it was just falling flat for me and he hasn't been funny to me since come to find out from research and like you know community and people telling me apparently his ex-wife was writing all of his jokes and once she stopped writing his jokes his jokes weren't hitting the same because I'm like Mm -hmm. we 
be in here dying. Like, we used to be, like, we still quote Kevin Hart. Well, I still quote Kevin Hart shit to this day. So I'm like, what happened? And I always, that always sits in the back of my head. I said, well, maybe, you know, his jokes are not as funny because he's trying to appeal to a broader audience. He might be trying to cross over. I don't know what he's doing, but he's not as funny as he used to be to me. And it was like, yeah, because his wife, his ex-wife used to write his jokes. And I'm like, well, shit, I'll go watch her then. Like, did you know that she's going on tour with Cat Williams? I, I saw, and I'm I'm ready for it. Can we talk about the flex and how petty that is to be That's like petty as hell? <laughs> but I'm she's here my for hero. It. Um, but I'm he 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 said a lot of stuff. He said that Chris Tucker was friends with Jeffrey Epstein. He claimed um, that uh, he was one of the first people, basically, to kind of call out Harvey Weinstein, how Harvey Weinstein offered to suck his dick in front of a room full of people. Like, I'm, I'm telling you, I watch it. But he, he came out and said he's never done drugs. He says that he's, he smokes weed more. He smokes weed more than Snoop Dogg, is what he said. He said that he outsmokes Snoop when they smoke together. I don't know what type out of smokes, out smokes what that Snoop Dogg is like the final boss of the devil's <laughs> lettuce. What the fuck do you mean you out smoke Snoop Dogg? Snoop Dogg is literally the nigga. At, at, he's literally the final boss. What do you mean you out smoke him? He said I don't believe that, that when I see that. He said that he he was one of the first people to have a professional roller. Somebody on his payroll whose only job was to roll his blunts. And he said, I forgot the number, but it was double digits of how many blunts he smokes a day. He also made it a point to to mention that he doesn't put nothing in his weed. And he kind of insinuated that Snoop Dogg don't be smoking just weed. So that's what I took from it, honestly, allegedly. That's what it seemed like he was was saying, but not really saying it. He didn't really shade... Like when he went after somebody in that interview, he straight up went after them. Damn. And then what else? Uh, Ice Cube denies that there was going to be a rape scene in the movie. He said that ain't his style, quote unquote. Did we not all watch? Did he? Didn't he produce Players Club? Did we not all watch Players Club? I, I, I can't watch that movie ever again because of that scene. I will never. But uh, Ricky Smiley said. He has no reason to lie about the casting. Um, Cedric the Entertainer said, revisionist history, regardless of whatever Cat's opinion is, my career cannot be reduced to one joke Cat Williams claims as his. And then a Ludacris, because also in the interview, he said that Ludacris was part of the Illuminati and he was part of the light-skinned woman with weird face package. And and so Ludacris came out with the most lukewarm, Gap Kids freestyle. In which case, he said, never been an Illuminati, only Illuminati. Let me say that again. What? This is what Ludacris said. He needs to stick to Fast and the Furious. He said in his freestyle. Ludacris is actually a good rapper, but what's happening? Because that does sound like some kids bop business. Never been. Oh, you ain't watched the freestyle. You got to watch the freestyle. He might have been. Okay. Never been an Illuminati, only Illuminati. Only Illuminati. Might have been part of his State Farm. Ain't he doing State Farm commercials? That might have been a part of the State Farm contract. Who knows? Well, I'm not on his side. Cat Williams, aside from the, um, I I guess, homophobia would be the word for it. Um, uh, I thought it was a very well done interview. And um, I believed a lot of what he said. You seen this TikTok video of, uh, so the video is, 
of a a very tall man. He looks like he's in a department store like Macy's. And uh, the tagline as he's walking by says something like, what would you do if I walked past you? Have you seen that one? It's the that audacity really for me. lanky dude yes. that's walking through, was that JCPenney? Yes. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, that was, I think, the most um, stitched TikTok of all this week. Are you and, serious? Yes, and it's just I've been seeing that nigga body roll up and down my timeline. Now he got his father in it, in on it. It's him and his father body rolling up and down my Twitter timeline all week. And I want to know where these tall, lanky-ass niggas come from. Can we talk about the audacity of men? What, what happened? Can you He's imagine a woman what? making that kind of TikTok? What would you do if I walked past you? I am. That would have gone totally different. It would have gone completely different. They would have called her thirsty. They would have they would have done all kinds of stuff. Star for attention, all type of shit. Yeah, no, that would have went absolutely differently. Somebody said he built like a deep breath. What does that mean? Oh my god! <laughs> I saw that too. Yo, I don't know what the hell is wrong with people. <laughs> why would you say some shit like that? I just envision somebody taking a deep ass breath, and then I just see him, and I'm like, oh. Lisa Bonet has finally filed for divorce from Jason Momoa. Oh. Um, they split up two years ago, but I guess they finally just got around, or she finally got they around. They got around to the paperwork. They have two kids together. Um, they got married in 2017. They said, quote, the statement they made was um, that Jason and Lisa were freeing each other to be who we are learning to become. What does that mean? Um, sounds like they're not the same people they were when they got married and they're in the process of finding themselves and the new things that they're finding out about themselves don't really mesh well with the other one. Yeah, but the the way they worded this, they're freeing each other to be who we are learning to become. Sounds like it's an interest. I just wanted to mention this briefly. I just wanted to mention this briefly um, because... I know we joke around um, on mm-hmm. this podcast a lot. Um, and I, I know I don't take a lot of things seriously um, when it comes to celebrities and things like that. But I, I need you to hear me when I say this. I would remove Uh-oh. any trace of pigment from his penis What with any orifice on my body. I, Should he choose it? No, you no, you didn't. You didn't just what the fuck? I, that's what you can say. Yes, that's that's, that's really that's the only reason I brought up this story. I it that that you want to fuck Aquaman? Yo, I don't think that's a strong enough word. Um, huh? I I said what I said. We can move on. One. Um, I be like getting a carrot. I just be. I, um. Anyway, uh, oh, so Taraji, oh you know, the color purple came out. Yeah. And, um, you know, there was a big hubbub about Taraji and the press tour and whether or not she was she got paid enough to be in the movie and whether or not Oprah was was mean to her behind the scenes. And there was some beef there, yada, yada. Um, but basically, one of the things that that Taraji has been um trending for is the fact that she she spoke up about pay inequality. She is this seasoned 
well-known actress at this point. I feel like she is a household name. And um, I think she's a great actress as well. And mm-hmm. how she still gets pennies on the dollar as her co-stars. Mm-hmm. She was in the Benjamin Button. She was in um, Hidden Figures. Uh, she Big was movies. in um, my I personal favorite, Acrimony. Um, Not Acrimony. I, I ain't gonna lie. I still didn't see that. Oh my God. Acrimony, if you ever... If you ever in your life just just need a chuckle... That movie is hilarious from beginning to end. It don't make no damn sense. Tyler Perry wrote that in the bathroom stall on a on a commercial break. There's no way he Ain't put no thought way. into that script. Damn. But um, it, it's a great movie. I love it. But you remember Monique years ago? She she was kind of saying the same thing when her whole Netflix deal didn't go through because they think they offered her like five hundred thousand or something like 500K that. Five hundred k compared to yeah. who? Amy was it like Amy Schumer? A couple of other people compared. I and thought I think it, Amy Schumer was getting like two mil, and I'm like, Amy Schumer's not even funny. What is this? I, I don't remember who she was, but I do think, I think it was it like was 500. Amy um, and they like did like a, a comparative analysis alongside of a couple of like other comedians at the time. And I was like, some of these people are not even funny to be getting two mil, three mil. What is this? And they give her 500K. That's disrespectful. That was disrespectful. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, what I heard though, Cat Williams in his interview, he was saying that he doesn't accept anything less than 10 million for his Netflix comedy specials and that Netflix based their offer based on how many tickets sold on your most recent comedy tour. Mm. Yeah. So he said it was basically like a dollar ticket. So he said he's the only comedian to do a, I forgot how he, he said like a 50 city comedy tour. Something like that. And um, Mm. he said that's how Netflix based it. But Monique was saying how, quote, we're in the phase of people catching up to what it really is. If the messenger Mm. is not what we think the messenger should look like, we don't want Mm -hmm. to hear the message, though it Mm -hmm. might be true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I do remember when that happened, how people were really upset with with, uh, Monique speaking up about that because they were like, Monique, I don't know why she thinks she deserves more than that. She should be happy that she got offered that, so on and so forth. Monique has been an institution. Monique is funny as hell. She truly is, and she's been doing this a long time, and she's been doing it well. Well. For years. Whether it's stand-up, whether it's a movie, whether it's a TV show, she is hilarious. But that, you know, brings us back to how black women, no matter what the industry but we'll just narrow it down to entertainment since we can kind of speak on that as well, how we mm-hmm. get paid very little compared to our colleagues who maybe are of a different gender or of a different race who may have similar analytics as us, similar accolades as us. Yeah, and Taraji was talking about how she is basically close to broke because she has to pay you know, for private school. She got to pay for her manager, her PR, she got taxes. Yes, all of that. And she said, you might get a million dollars for a picture, but when it's all said and done, you might walk away with like 300K of that. If that. Yeah, and I'm just like, it just goes back to how we're not allowed to complain. We just have to be happy with whatever we're given and wait, just wait, be wait. lucky. So let me tell you, because I actually, I need to get this off my chest. And this is, this is not a go a off? going off. Okay. This is not necessarily a going off, but this is something that this this does chat my ass. Um, 
going back to the Kevin Hart, not Kevin Hart, going back to the Cat Williams interview, right? And I noticed a lot of the discourse revolving around that was about um, a lot of these black celebrity men putting on dresses. And a lot of the discourse revolving around it was rooted in homophobia. It was, oh, they emasculate the black man, they emasculate the black man. But my thing is, my, my perspective, my look at it is, notice how it's like all these men put on dresses and they emulate their mothers, their aunts, their girlfriends, their cousins. They're emulating black, black women, right? And they go on to be household names. They go on to be millionaires. They go on to grow these massive platforms by emulating the black women in their lives, right? While the black women that they emulate are still fighting to be paid fairly, mm -hmm. fighting for a fraction of what they get, fighting for a fraction of a fraction of what everyone else gets. But you get to throw on a wig and a dress and act like your cousin... Meanwhile, in real life, your cousin is probably struggling to be respected in her day-to-day -day life, probably struggling to get um, her just dues and struggling to be um, paid fairly and treated fairly, but you get to go on and become a household name because you threw on a dress and some lipstick and a wig. Hmm. And the same black women that y'all make fun, everybody love to say black women aren't funny while everybody are emu everyone's emulating us and going on to be millionaires and household names Instagram people still do it. YouTubers, some of the big, bigger black YouTubers, they literally got their start by throwing on a wig and acting like the black girls around them, the black girls in their neighborhood, and they go on to have these huge platforms. But the girls that they emulate can't even get to see, get to get to get like a fraction of that traction, attention, money, anything. And that's the shit that pisses me off. That's the shit that's always pisses me off. People love to say black women aren't funny, black women, but y'all love everybody emulating us though. But but the niggas who emulate us are funny. Make it make sense. Make it make sense. Something that Cat Williams said, I think it was Ice Cube. No, it was Martin. He was gonna make a movie with Martin because Martin really wanted to make a movie with him. And he told Martin, I'll be in anything as long as I don't have to wear a dress and play a black woman. So he said that Martin took him, met him at a studio. And he sat down and he looked at the script and uh, the script was for Big Mama's house too. And he said he almost died right there. He's like, we could, we could be anything. We can make any kind of movie. Why, why do we have to make another movie where you would address? And I was like, you know, we're the punchline. We always going to, we always, I'm not going to say we always going to be. They love but... to try to make us the punchline, but women can't <sighs> build platforms being themselves. I'm funny to make fun. It's, it's funny to make fun of me. But I'm not funny as myself. How does that make sense? Oh, God. You want to talk about Jonathan Majors first or you want to talk about Hallie first? <laughs> <laughs> you, <are so> stressed <laughs> you know what? I'm going to save Jonathan Majors for the go off and we can talk about okay. him then. So we're okay. going to talk about Hallie and uh, her baby daddy. What he do? What he do now? So, okay. We all knew that she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. I seen yeah. her nose. Nose, you know. nose best. I seen that. Um... She, you know, she did her best to cover it up. And I understand if I was a celebrity, not even just a celebrity, as a person, y'all would never see my baby. If I had mm -hmm. a child, y'all might get a graduation picture when they was crossing the stage to go to college. Y'all might get that. So she hit it. And then um, a couple of days into the new year, she, uh, she posted a picture of um, her baby. I don't think it was the face of the baby. I think it was just like his hand or something. And um, she told everyone, you know, this is my baby. I think they named their son Halo. Yeah, Halo. That's such a yeah. cute name. Cute. 
but DDG. Mm-hmm. <sighs> what did he do? You look so straight. What did he do? What did he do now? I should say. Uh-oh. So here's the thing, right? Uh, we went off last last episode. We went off on uh, Mr. Simone Biles, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about these men who were mm-hmm. who were engaged or in relationships with these women who they can never hope to deserve, but they decide to embarrass them. Like DDG, he had that song um, that he made where he was basically clowning Hallie for doing her job, for having to kiss what? this dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he made a song about because um, she was in the Little Mermaid, and in the Little Mermaid, mm-hmm. she has she has to kiss. The prince or whatever. And he made mm-hmm. a song about how that wasn't cool with him. Basically, it was a conversation that he should have had with her and not made a song about it. Similar to um, Kiki Palmer and her, Mr. Kinky Palmer, whatever his name is. So he said, me and Hallie had a baby together. I wouldn't have chose no other person in the world to have a child with. We learning. She's a great mom. Like, it's crazy. She's amazing. Nothing wrong with that, right? Nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Then he goes on to talk about how he was in the hospital room and how he watched the whole thing. And he didn't mm-hmm. want to do it. He said he was he was scared. Uh, he was like, I don't want to see this. But at the same time, he was like, I'm not going to have a lot of kids. I might not get. He's like, I'm probably not going to get to see this again is what he said. So I might as well look down there. He said it was the craziest thing he's ever seen in his life. He goes on to say that his son has peed on him three times already. And he's learning to change diapers. Um, the thing that got me, though, was when he started talking about how having a baby is kind of like a video game. Hello? So, huh? yeah. He said changing right. diapers was probably the thing I was most scared about. Imagine having a baby. Women. We got to deal with our pelvic floor being destroyed forever. Our bodies Women is done. We leaking. We we lose our hair. Our nails are brittle. Like, we pee randomly afterwards for the rest of our lives. Like, we're, like the things that women go through with childbirth. And then to top it all off, imagine being a man and being able to say that the thing that you were most scared about having a baby was changing diapers. And then now he thinks it's fun like a video game. Hey man, I at Kiki Palmer, Halle Bailey, Simone Biles. I, I'm tired. I'm I I'm tired, and that's pretty much all I got for the week. I got a question for you though. So mm-hmm. you watch? Do you watch like reality TV? And I'm not talking about like VH1 reality TV, like this new genre of reality. VH1 TV. is that still a thing? I don't even know. I, I don't got cable. I ain't had cable in a long time, but back in my day, we used to watch reality TV over there on VH1. But um, you watching that new reality TV? What you consider? I, I, I've i been uh, watching. And now that's TV. No, I do not. And it's just, I'm not, I don't like watching fighting. I don't like that's watching fighting. That's all it is. You, so you didn't know? That's all that is. No, I've seen... The first two seasons of Baddies. Okay. And I kind of watched a lot of it through my fingers. I don't like watching people fight unless it's for a reason. Like, my, like if I'm going to watch a fight video, it's because somebody 
and deserved it. Yes. Then I can enjoy the violence. But if it's something stupid, like you drunk my Kool-Aid or um, what else? They be fighting over dumb stuff. Like one girl went on a shroom trip and fought like five women and beat up like five women in the house in one of them shows. It's just, I don't know, like my niece has been into them and I'm, I kind of want to get her away from it. Um, because it's just nothing but fighting. I'm like, I'm starting to feel like an old bitty because I'm like, yo, back in my day, at least the reality TV had some type of themes, challenges, an end goal, a result. It's like the girls come in the house now and they're just fighting, fighting, not knocking teeth out, pulling hair out, um, having seizures. And making no money from it. And make it. And that's what I was going to say, just to make what? Like $100 an episode? Like, what are y'all really doing with your time? And I'm just trying to figure out why is it so popular? See, why these, do we like mess so much? Generation Z structured a mess. They they don't understand. We used to have a legend who goes by the name of Tiffany New York Pollard, Pollard, whatever you say right. her name. Back in my day, when a woman was swinging on another woman, <laughs> it's because I don't know. She looked like Luther Vandross. Maybe she got spit oh on. God. There was a reason behind it. Now y'all be fighting because the last Lunchable is gone. Like, that don't make no sense. It don't make no, no sense. Really. So, no, I will not be watching this. But in terms of reality shows, we could do a reality show recap if we ever have a common show. Like, I be watching. Um, the internet has been going crazy over the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I watched the reunion of that. That was entertaining. I've been watching Miami Housewives. I've been watching Beverly Hills Housewives. And um, that's pretty much all the reality. Oh, and I guess I watch Potomac, but it is a struggle watch. I hate. I Why hate. Is it a struggle watch, and I confess I haven't watched reality TV since. It's like, miserable. Hip Hop New York. So it's I don't miserable, know. and that was seasons and seasons and seasons ago. What? What is? What happened? They well, have you ever arguing? seen Potomac no. before? Okay, I've then. seen. I see clips and things, but I don't know the characters. I don't know what's happening. I'm so. I told you I don't got cable. I'm out of the loop. No, they just the whole cast on Real Housewives of Potomac. No, nobody likes each other. There's whole cast members who won't talk to the, another cast member. None of them Sounds are really messy. friends. They all hate each other. They're all arguing all the time. There's nothing fun about it. It's it's basically like the show you talking about. It's basically like the zoo shows, but without the fighting, without physical fighting most of the time. So it's, it's not good. It, I'm talking specifically about the black housewife shows. It's that mm. way. Um, Atlanta and Potomac, they don't like each other. They just there for that check. And it's not entertaining to watch. Damn. Damn. They got to get that together. Did you know they have conventions like Bravo? Is it Bravo? Yeah, 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 or yeah. Something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't I, know that. Yeah, I think they've done it for a couple years. I would, I personally wouldn't spend money on that, but y'all pulling up to meet y'all favorite reality TV people. So, what you got for us this week? Anything? As far as advice, we did get an email. We got an email, and if y'all are interested, and I'm gonna say this again, and I'm gonna say this better, better than I did before, but if you have any questions, advice, Maybe tea you want to spill. Anything y'all want to ask us about, be sure to email us at theprettypettypod at gmail.com. Email us at theprettypettypod at gmail so we could talk about it. So this week we got an email um, and it pretty much says, hey, Sadie's and Mira, 
I think you are both icons and I love you both. And I wanted to ask, how do you deal with homophobic family and what are your thoughts on parenting, how to handle a very disrespectful child? So for me personally, and I, I just personally don't fuck with homophobic family. Like, I'm, you hateful, you weird, you could go over there, you could stay over there with that stupid shit. And, you know, I'll, I'll be arguing people down. Anybody will tell you, like, I'll argue people down, but it's best to just keep that energy away from you. But it could be hard for someone, I guess, who has to be around. It, it's different when you kind of are in an environment um, where you have to live with that family and you can't necessarily just pick up and leave. Um, but I would definitely say that's where the importance of community comes from and having people to talk to and hang out with and, and things to do and just working on goals to get out of that environment if that's an environment that you are stuck in but I know people that don't talk to their family they ain't talk to their family in years because their family is like bigoted and homophobic and weird um and as as far as a disrespectful child I so I this is this is I'm sleepy so I'm slow <laughs> so this is two separate questions right yeah, the these are two okay yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know anything about parenting. I made a conscious decision not to put myself through that. But as someone who does not know what it's like to be a parent, who the closest thing I have to that is uh, having a, like being an aunt, going back to like me being a, a, like a child and the times where I think I was disrespectful towards my mother, there's something behind that. A lot of times when kids are talking back or maybe not showing respect in a way that you would like them to. There's usually something deeper going on there. Um, I know for in my case, there definitely was. There was a lot of stuff going on that uh, um, nobody bothered to investigate um, with me. I don't think a lot of kids are disrespectful just because they turned 13 or just because, you know, whatever. Usually it's a case of they need support. Maybe they need guidance. Mm -hmm. They need someone to talk to. Sometimes, honestly, parents, and it's probably not what you want to hear, but I'm always tell the truth. Mm -hmm. Sometimes parents don't deserve respect. Yep. Give what you get. If you're not giving respect, you don't deserve it. I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. Uh, elders like to disrespect youngins. And they expect to be respected at all times. And I honestly don't believe in that. I believe you you get back what you put out. And I feel like a lot of adults feel like children are supposed to be, you know, they it's like they treat their children as if they're their property. You belong to me. You do what I say. You behave how I want you to behave. And you're supposed to, like, think and, and act how I want you to act. And if you deviate from that, we have a problem kind of thing. I know my... My grandmother, she she's a little firecracker, you know, love her, but she's a little firecracker. She's like, what, like 93 now? She always talking shit, right? She always got something slick to say. And, you know, it wasn't until, I guess, me, you know, she'll say something slick. I say some slick shit back. But apparently I was the only one that used to say, like, slick shit. And I get in trouble with my mom. Like, you know, you don't supposed to say that. But I'm like, and what makes her think that, you know, what makes her think that she's okay to say that? And I see that in my niece now, you know. My grandma will say something slick to my niece, and my niece will say some slick shit back, you know. She might make a, I remember she made like an off-color remark about her hair. 
And my niece was like, well, where's your hair? Like, you want to talk shit? I'm going to talk shit back. And they're like, oh, she's being disrespectful. I said, so it's okay for her to keep making comments about her hair and being rude and being mean to her. But when she says something back, it's disrespectful and it's a problem. No, I don't believe in that. I believe you get back what you put out. Um, how to deal with homophobic families. So I'm going to speak on my part for me because I've dealt with this personally. I deal with this personally, I should say. Although I have not experienced direct homophobia from my family, I've experienced more of the erasure of it. Like, I am not allowed to share that part of my life. My romantic life is not something that I can share with my family, regardless of who I'm dating, but especially if I was dating a woman. I know they don't want to hear about it. They don't care if I'm happy. They don't care if I'm sad. They don't care if I break up. They don't care if I'm engaged. It is what it is. Just because your mama is your mama, your daddy is your daddy, they don't have to be in your life. Like, gone are the days where you are tied to your family regardless of how they treat you. So we're seeing more and more young adults, older adults who are, who are saying, like, nah, I'm going no communication with my uncle because he doesn't accept me for who I am. I'm trans and I no longer have a relationship with my parents because they don't accept who I am, whatever it is. And I might get some hate for this. I'm not going to say it's a beautiful thing, but it's an affirming thing when you get to a point where you choose you over what society says your responsibilities are. So I would ask yourself that, like, if your family members are making you feel like like, if it's hurting you, and I don't see how it could possibly not be hurting you, consider whether or not you think that they will ever change their point of view, that they will ever change the way that they treat you. And now that I'm in my 30s, I'm finally at a point where I'm realizing I really am all that I have, day in, day out, morning, noon, night. I am all that I have. And so... I have a zero tolerance policy at this point for anyone who makes me feel bad about who I am. So that's my answer. Just, just, just you know, if, if your family, your friends, your coworkers, your boss is making you feel bad about who you are, who you truly are, I ain't saying like, oh, you know, my family hating on me because I'm always late to the family cookout. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like who you are. Like you cannot change who you are. Choose yourself. That's my advice. Just choose yourself. Whatever that looks like. Protect yourself. That's something I need to talk about that has been on my mind and it's something that I've had discussions about on and off for years. I've always wanted to get to the bottom of why is it that everything seems grown to Black parents? And if you, you know, if you're black like me, you probably could relate to this. Maybe not. But just as a black woman, always having to hear um, this is fast. This is too grown. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't um, engage in this thing. You can't wear red lipstick. You can't wear nail polish. You can't get your ears pierced. Like everything a black girl wants to do is considered grown or too fast and wondering how that plays into being an adult and feeling like you are a late bloomer or you're kind of coming into your adulthood later than everybody else because you're not able to, like, date 
you can't date at the ages that like everybody else normally dates. So like you're having to sneak around in high school if you like somebody or you realize like for me, like a lot of other people probably realize it's not worth it sneaking around. So you just didn't bother. And then now you are at adulthood and you don't really know how to navigate dating because the formative years, the years that you were supposed to learn these things, the years that you were supposed to be, quote unquote, boy, crazy or stupid. You didn't get to experience that. And now you're kind of an adult running around trying to like pretty much running around like a chicken with his head cut off trying to figure it out. I think. Um, catch up. Yeah, playing catch up. And it's like, I think one of the most extreme scenarios that I could think of that comes to mind for me was as a child. You know, my mom was so on that you can't have a boyfriend that it was a point in my childhood where I wasn't even allowed to have Ken dolls. And, you know, I was like, shit, I can't have Kindle. She's like, no, I don't want you to have them dating and whatever, messing around. And she can't. I said, so I can't have a boyfriend. Barbie can't have a boyfriend. <laughs> and I said, fuck it. I shaved off the hair of the, was it the Christie doll? I shaved off Christie's hair. And I, oh no, was it Teresa? I shaved off <laughs> Teresa's hair and I said, you be her fucking boyfriend. Fuck that. And you know what I'm saying? So I, she, 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 she got made, you know what I'm saying? Um, I guess I made her a stud. I don't know. But I was like, <laughs> you be her fucking boyfriend. Cause fuck that. No, I really did. Like I really, my mother was like, are you doing what I think? Yes. You said I can't have Ken dolls. So now that's her boyfriend. That's her man. That's her, that, that's her person. Damn. And I'm just like, damn, my Barbie can't even have a boyfriend. Like, what is that? <laughs> um, I couldn't like the idea of dating and having a boyfriend was so out of the reach for me. I didn't even feel like I had control over my own body. Like my body didn't be belong to me. Oh, even God. now as a grown woman, I still have a thought of what is my mom going to think about this if I do this with my body? Like if I want to get a tattoo, if like anything that I did involving my hair, my outfit, I remember I almost missed my high school graduation because my mother threw a huge shit fit screaming because I didn't want to wear pantyhose under my graduation gown. And she was not going to let me graduate, go to my high school graduation unless I wore pantyhose. This oh was a two-hour fight to wear a gown where no one would even see my legs. Oh so the God. idea of like dating or going on a date was so out of the realm because I, I had to even think about whether or not I could even brush my hair the way I wanted to. If, if I could wear the outfit that I wanted to, like there was no room for autonomy. And I feel like that's, oh. yeah, that's a major difference in terms of like black women and maybe other cultures. Uh, I'm not saying it's black and white, but I feel like, we were not allowed to do all the natural things like you were saying that like white girls, for example, for example, were allowed to do like having that boyfriend in fifth grade, going to a dance and having a date, um, mm -hmm. double dating. Yeah. Going on a movie date and it's and stuff. And so when you make things that are so taboo and you give a child that feeling of shame like you were talking about whether or not your Barbie doll and her Ken doll could even go on a date. When your parents are giving you that message of you bet not, I bet not catch you, you fast, la, 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 la. Then you end up having experiences behind their back that maybe you were too young to have. Because 
you weren't allowed to explore it in a healthy way where you could communicate to your parents. I have a crush on this boy. I remember watching television shows growing up and there'd be always every single show, Fresh Prince, it didn't family matters. It did not matter what the show was. There was always that special episode where the kids would ask about sex and the parents had to have quote unquote, the talk. Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember watching these shows and watching the parents communicate with these kids and speaking either honestly and telling them what sex was or speaking in like clinical terms, like the penis, the vagina, when two people love each other, even that was unattainable in my childhood. The My mom and me, we had a discussion about sex. Literally, it was one sentence. If you get pregnant, don't come home. Damn. That was our entire sex discussion. My entire life. That is the only conversation we have ever had about sex. And so I got the message very loud and clear I cannot talk to you about sex. I can't talk to you about my body changing. I can't talk to you about hormones. I can't talk to you about attraction because guess what? I'm 12 now. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to realize, I'm 11. I'm starting to realize, hey, I really, really like this person. I really, really want to know what their lips feel like. Mm -hmm. Innocent stuff, relatively innocent stuff. And so as a result, I found myself in situations with, with individuals who I probably would not have been in that predicament with had I been able to have that healthy communication, had I been able to be a girl like I saw on television, like I saw in the movies. And what we perceive to be normal kids. Um, that remind me of uh, around the time, I think I was like 12 or something. And I got, I got on punishment because uh, I heard some little kids outside talking about somebody was giving somebody head. I went and asked my mom what that shit meant. She put me on punishment. I was like, so you really not going to tell me what it means? Like, she refused to tell me. And she put me on punishment. You would have thought I sucked somebody dick. <laughs> and she put me on punishment. And I had to go and ask somebody outside that, well, at the time, I think if I'm 12, she had to be like nine. I had to go ask somebody younger than me what the fuck it meant. Because my mom just told me I'm on punishment. Don't ever say that again. Like, she just bugged out on me. And I'm like, I don't even know what this means. So I asked her, and she told me, and I was like, that's it? Because by that age, I've seen porn. I know what the fuck that looks like. I didn't know that was what it was called. And I'm like, that's all you had to say. I've seen that before. Like, little do you know, I've seen that already. I ain't doing it, but I know what that is. But the way she behaved around about sex made me not want to talk to her. Lost my virginity and everything. Did not tell her, did not talk to her, did not ask her anything. She tried to be the, if you want to talk to me about anything, I'm here for you, mirror, mirror. But I never forgot that memory. And it kind of sat with me. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to talk to you about anything. I'll ask everybody. I'll Google. I'm not talking to you. Because if you're going to act like that about something that I didn't, I don't, I didn't do. I don't know what it means. I'm good. I just remember any time that sex was brought up, my mom would scare me or try to scare me. It doesn't work. That fear tactic, that shame tactic that black parents do to their girls in particular, I don't think they do this with their boys as much. They don't. Just like, you know, telling your kids not to be gay doesn't work. Guess what? They that that boy you is still like gonna like, like. Yes, it does not work. But I'm looking at a teen pregnancy t statistics by race. Okay, this is this is 2020 mm -hmm. per 
1,000 teenage girls, mm-hmm. two out of 1,000 that get pregnant as a teenager are Asian. Two. Two. Out of 1,000 are Asian. Okay. 10 out of 1,000 are white. Okay. Black, 24 per 1,000. So that's two and a half times more than white girls. Lack of um, education. Hispanic. everything fast. Exactly the same as black, 24. Oh, wow. Um, so it's not working. It's not working. And I feel like newer generations of parents are starting to... I mean, I'm not saying it's completely done a 180, but I feel like, quote unquote, gentle parenting is becoming more of a thing. I feel like we're starting to understand communication a little bit more and how important that is. When you don't educate your kids, not only does it make them more vulnerable to predators, to teen pregnancy, to STDs, Abuse. it it affects every part of their life. It creates generational trauma. So many things can happen when you don't equip. I remember I was never more sought after by the opposite sex as I was when I was 12 or 13, 14. I have never been hit on more in my life than when I was an adolescent, like a prepubescent like kid. And nobody prepared me for that. Nobody shielded me. I, I heard a statistic the other day that um, girls age 12, teenage girls age 12 to 17, the 40% of all fathers of teenage pregnancies are 20 and up. Sound about right. And I don't think my story the little bit that I've shared is unique. I feel like a lot of black girls have that story of not being able to talk to their parents, not being able to confide in their mother. And then all of a sudden, you know, you might end up at a party and you're getting attention from a boy who you really like. And now you're finally together. And he, he says that you're pretty or whatever he says. He smooth talks you. And then all of a sudden, you don't know what to do because nobody has prepared you for it. And then whatever happens, happens. And guess what? You have nobody to talk to because your parents, your mom has already told you you're fast for wearing a skirt. It's just... Yo, I still don't wear skirts. How about that? I bought a set that got a skirt in it and I'm still not comfortable wearing skirts. Is that because... Yeah, because everything was so fast and it's just like, and uh, to be honest, skirts are not made with thick people in mind. I got a big old fat ass and, you know, skirts are definitely not. Girl, shut up. We so opposite. We so opposite in (laughs) every way. And I can't wear skirts because they're not made with me in mind. And, you know, it was the point where my mother dressed me for like half of high school. I had to fight to be able to dress myself. I made my mother cry. Because I was like, I'm not putting none of this shit on. I don't want to wear it. It's ugly. I want to dress myself. I'm tired of you dressing me. And when I started wearing clothes my size, seeing how everybody else reacted to me, I was like, okay, I see why she had me in clothes three, four, five sizes too big. But like, you know, you know what? I still don't wear skirts and I'm 30. Do you feel like your mom was your first bully? Uh, maybe, kind of. If it wasn't my mother, it was my sister. Um... And I feel like, you know, I, I actually talked to my friend about this the other day. I said, um, I always have an appreciation for my dad because my dad always gave me room to speak when I didn't like something, speak when something was wrong, speak my mind. And my siblings are, all, I told you, my siblings are all 16 years older than me. So they're just like, 
well, we weren't, we didn't, we weren't allowed to have an opinion. We were just told that pretty much like they were raised under the ideal of like, you do as I say, and you don't question it. You don't get to say you don't, you don't like this food. You don't get to say you don't like this color. You don't get to say you don't like this outfit. You just got to do what I say. And that's it. So they raised me a little bit different. And he always made sure I was able to voice my opinion when something was wrong and tell him my feelings and talk to him when I wasn't okay with something. Whereas like my mother and the rest of my family was like not on that type of time. And they would even critique him and judge him if something went wrong or if I was misbehaving. Oh, well, that's that's what happens when you let kids speak their mind. And you know what I'm saying? So that controlling of like what your daughter dresses, how she dresses, whether or not she dates. I'm wondering the origins of why that happens with black mothers. I'm sure a big part of it is rooted in religion. Yeah. Also, there probably is some aspect of it of them wanting to protect you. Mm -hmm. But instead of them equipping you with actual tools like self-esteem, they'll just tell you point blank, don't do it. Don't do this. Don't do this. But I think also, and I think a lot of parents, regardless of race, is guilty of this. So many people have children in the hopes of making them have the life that they wish that they had had. Mm. So, for example, I don't want to play piano, but my mother is signing me up for piano lessons regardless and making me go and we have all these fights because I don't want to do it. It doesn't matter if I don't want to do it. She wants me to do it. And again, I don't have control over my body. I don't have control over what I do. I have no autonomy. And I feel like that goes across all cultures. Yeah, all groups of people. I remember growing up, if I did something that made my parent unhappy, our relationship was damaged. I would get the silent treatment for days. Because, I mean, I was raised by a single mother for the most part. So it's just like, you know, so much of it is the survival stage of knowing how to put food on the table, making sure that the bills are being paid, that we don't get to, we were just watching that video, to get to to the other. Yeah, we don't get to the esteem. We don't get to the love. We don't get to the quality time because we're too busy trying to survive. survive. Yeah, because that actually reminds me of issues I have with my partner where he's like, all you do is work and da-da-da-da. And it's like, nigga, I got bills to pay. Like, so I just like perpetually live in a state of work mode and having to kind of like un- like dial it back. Go outside. Go spend time with your family and friends. Go out to eat. Go for a walk. Everything can't be work. But it's hard when you have bills and, and, and pressures and things like that. And, you know, it's hard. It's like living in a perpetual state of survival all the time. You're just in a constant state of survival mode. Maybe we should talk about imposter syndrome next week. Yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. Definitely. I'm down with that. <laughs> um, but getting back to the amazing topic that you brought up about black girls and being like late bloomers and our relationship with not being able to be who we are, not being able to be like the other girls that we see. Um, is there anything else you can you think you want to add to that or should we? Honestly, I would just tell folks if this, if any of these experiences sound familiar, you are not alone. It's a lot of people that deal with very similar experiences and a lot of us are just clawing and, and scraping and trying to figure ourselves out at 
the big ages of 25, 30, 35, and some folks still trying to figure shit out at 40. We all, you know, are figuring things out and all navigating and learning, even at ages when we thought we would have it all figured out. And there's so many societal factors that contribute to that. So, yeah. It's time for us to go off. Do you have anything you want to go off on this week, Mira? No, I mean, I feel like I kind of went off earlier about how I'm tired of, you know, seeing black men, whether it's the content creator space or in Hollywood, they enter these spaces emulating black women and they go get to go on and be household names while the same black women that they emulate and mock are left to be judged and still paid less than their peers and still mistreated. That pisses me off. That that really chaps my ass and it'll say forever their name. Chap my say ass. their name. Say their names. Um <laughs> shit. Eddie Murphy. About the women or the men? Martin Jamie Lawrence. Fox, Eddie Murphy, <laughs> Martin Lawrence, Tyler Perry. Everybody who's ever any man who's ever like if it were black men who's ever put on a wig and, and a makeup, a dress. And they've emulated their aunties, their cousins, their sisters. The niggas on Instagram do it. All these niggas is doing it. And it's like, and I, I hate that everybody fixates on the homophobia. It's like, why? It's not even like, stop being homophobic. Let's talk about how these women that they emulate can't even get paid a quarter of what these people get paid for the same projects or these same women, whether they decide to take the entertainment path and they're fighting for the right to be paid fairly and treated fairly in their day to day. But somebody who gets to make a mocker of me, somebody who gets to emulate me gets to be a fucking millionaire. Make it make sense. All right. Um, I guess my go off for the week, but Jonathan majors, I don't think we talked about him last week. Um, but Jonathan majors, uh, was recently found guilty. Was he not? Um, it, um, y'all already know he got into an altercation. That's the nicest way I can put it with his then girlfriend mm-hmm. in a car. They were fighting over the phone, so on and so forth. Um, a lot of people don't realize this or choose to ignore it. The fact that she did not want to press charges, that she was forced to press charges, but people don't want to hear about that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, he was found guilty, and he's been going on a press tour in his uh, ragamuffin chic and his cup and his Bible, convincing people or trying to convince people that it's all a lie, it's fabricated to bring down the black man. He's been doing interview after interview after interview, um, trying to clear his name, I guess. Um, that Marvel check dried up. They didn't fire his ass so quickly, it wasn't even funny. But uh, this 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 guaf ain't even really about him. It's about his Coretta Scott King, Miss Megan Good, bitch. Let me set the stage. So Jonathan Majors is in an interview um, where the interviewer was uh, asking him about his relationship with Megan Good. And um, asking how she's been through this quote-unquote tribulation. And um, he was talking about the audio tape that was recorded and used in trial where he's telling his very Caucasian girlfriend that he needed her to make sacrifices like he was making sacrifices. Which, pause, 
it is not your girlfriend's, your girlfriend's responsibility to ever make a fucking sacrifice for you. That's your girlfriend, first and foremost. But he said he wanted her to be more like Coretta Scott King or Michelle Obama. Um, indirectly, basically insinuating that he is in some type of way like Barack Obama or Martin Luther King. Sir, you play a Disney villain for a living. You're not out here passing laws. You're not marching on Washington. I have never heard of Jonathan Majors doing any sort of philanthropy or social justice. That's me. I've never heard of it, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that he finally found his Coretta Scott King. He finally found his Michelle Obama. Um, how making Good has been holding him down and been his pillar, his, his support system. And it's true. It's true. Every single video I've seen of him, he has not been alone. She has been right there by his side, like his fucking prize poodle, holding his hand, clearly not giving a fuck about her reputation. Here's the thing. It is 2024. If nothing else we have learned from this experience is that it does not matter how grown you are, whether or not you've been married, whether or not you're successful, anybody can be a pick me. Megan Good has shown us that. The way she was so quick to take this man, this leftover, Megan Good, I knew what time it was whenever you started posing in a leash being held by Khloe Kardashian. I, I know what it was then. That I have repressed that in the back of my brain <laughs> until somebody mentioned it two days ago, and I was like, yo, she really did do that. Why would she do that? I mean, I've I've never particularly had an opinion on Megan Good, um, other than the fact that I think she's a terrible actress. Damn. She is a terrible actress. You can't name a single thing she's been in where she's been convincing and say it to me with a straight face. You just can't. What part of a man standing on trial for physically assaulting another woman says, let's go on a date? Maybe pursuing a man while he's on the witness stand is not a great time. Maybe wait. Maybe wait. The dick can't possibly be that good or that long. I promise you it can't. And I'm not going to give her too much, but I just want to say, pull your panties up and find some self-respect. And that's pretty much all I got to say. Um, you got anything else you want to add? Anything you got going on that you want to tell the people about? I ain't got nothing going on but these sim streams and trying to fix my life. I'm yibs and inertion, but and taking it one day at a time. Um, I just want everybody to take care of themselves and understand that they're not alone in what they encounter and what they go through. And we'll be back next week with more fuckery and shenanigans. Make sure <laughs> you submit an email to the pretty petty pod. I'll repeat that the pretty petty pod at gmail.com. If you have any questions or any advice or anything you want to ask about us personally, and if you have any scenarios or anything, just make sure you have, you know, if you have questions, make sure you have scenarios. So we have something to go off of to better and understand and answer your questions or concerns. That part, just get the fuck out of here. Y'all have a good week. (laughs) 